Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome back to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Matt Price. With me this week, of course, is Ryan McDowell, the president of Dynasty Fantasy Football uh, here on Electric Night. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. I won. They've they've called it. Uh, and of course, Dan, the vice president. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> yeah, hardly, hardly. Ryan kicked my ass a couple times in the last couple of weeks. So, <laughs> if anything, I'm definitely the vice. I'm not taking it over anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get rolling, guys. Uh, we've got. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of strategy, depending on your record tonight. Um, uh, do a little bit of rookie record card, some listener questions, and hopefully, we have time for a quick game at the end here. So. Uh, let's just get into it. With four games left in their fantasy regular season, Ryan, uh, let's talk about what you're doing with your teams that are contenders, which I'm sure are all of them for you. Six and three to nine and zero. Oh, you know what's kind of your your strategy the rest of the season? You kind of just letting the thing letting things roll, or are you looking to make some moves here? I think you always have to be looking to make moves, no matter how good you think your team is. Um, we we see a lot of injuries. You know, the later we get in the year, we saw it with Geronimo Allison. Things that we kind of think of as maybe a minor injury, they end up on the on the injured reserve list, and their season is over. So, the the deeper we get into the season, that's going to happen more and more. Um, so, I, I think you always have to be looking to improve your team, um, even if it's still a a relatively minor move but as far as what i'm doing with my team specifically i think you first have to look at how you got to that point like uh, are you do your points match your record are you uh are you near the top of the standings in both record and points and and if so then i think you can make some moves with some confidence that you are at least not only making the playoffs but but a strong contender and then on the other hand if if you're kind of looking like a, a paper champion, you've got the record, you're near the top of the standings, but you're middle of the pack or even worse when it comes to your weekly scoring output, that that's a tougher spot. Dan, Ryan kind of read my mind there. Uh, I wanted to throw it to you like this. Let's say you're, you know, 
seven and two, you're in first and second place. But in terms of points scored, you're you're middle of the pack, maybe you're fifth or sixth. Uh, are you kind of pushing chips in at that point to make some moves to to kind of bolster that early season schedule that you had, um, or are you kind of maybe thinking that you're uh, like 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 Ryan said, a paper tiger, and maybe you want to make some future moves and just kind of let what happens this season happen? If you get lucky and get in, then uh, all all good. But maybe you still want to prep for the future. Well, I think there's a little bit of both, and being honest with yourself, like Ryan talked about, is is a very important part of the game however we've always talked about how when you have a shot when it looks like you have a playoff spot that means you have a chance to contend it all it takes is a quick run at the end of the season somebody gets hot maybe it's somebody you acquire right now before your league's trade deadline that puts you over the top veterans uh guys that those guys that are really out of it are are willing to to sell and a lot of times even at a discount just to get something for them before they hit that wall so my strategy, whether I'm there because I'm the number one seed with the most points or I'm there because I'm the number three seed at this point with the seventh most points, I'm looking to improve my team. And likely it's going to be the veterans. Some, sometimes it's even guys that are way underwhelming. Maybe, maybe you're just trying to get a backup because you know all I have is my three receivers. I need to get another guy in case there's an injury or maybe to fill in at, at my flex or whatever it may be. So I I think we're all relatively aggressive. I might be the most aggressive of the three of us, either me or you, Matt. But I, I'm always, like Ryan said, I'm looking to improve and I'm willing to push at least some chips in, even if I'm overachieving. This is start. We're we're getting into my favorite time of the year when those t- contenders at the top, the arms race, are starting. You see the trades coming back and forth. This guy's grabbing Tyreek Hill from from a from a, a lower lower uh, a ranked team. This other guy's grabbing Antonio Brown for some cheap for 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 a team that's playing for the future. You know, so we're coming into some big time decision makings, and I want to tie in one of our listener questions. Uh, from this evening, um, they say, you know, who who are some targets that we could have we could we could look at for our first round pick, Ryan? I know you, I know you don't like moving first round picks, but uh, you know maybe maybe you're there. You need a depth piece. Maybe you need a starter. Maybe you need a flex starter for the stretch run. You had a serious injury. What type of players would you be looking to acquire if you wanted to move that late first round pick? Let's just call it the one ten to one twelve. The guy I've really struggled with that I think is probably in that range at this point is is James White. Uh, we we just see the the consistent production from him every single week. He's been an RB1 or RB2 every single week of the season. And he, he's not a guy that you, coming into the season, certainly not a guy that we would have really even thought of as, as a valuable fantasy asset or dynasty asset, but he's got that production. We know we can trust the offense uh, moving forward. So I, I think it's players like white that see their value change so much in season that, that we, we struggle to place that, uh, that value on when it comes to draft picks. So he's, he's certainly worth a, a first rounder at this point. If, if I had him, I, I wouldn't sell him for any less than that. But he he would be the main one. What what I really like to to look at when I've got teams like this, where I'm I am trying to add a little depth. Our our, our buddies over at Four for Four have, uh, and and I think they they update these every week. But they have rest of season rankings. It's really easy to find dynasty rankings. Of course, we have those at DLF. It's easy to find 
redraft or seasonal rankings, you can go back to the preseason, but at this point we know those are pretty much meaningless, but I love that they're updating those, those rankings every single week uh, with, with only the rest of the season in mind. And, and that's what I use just to get that perspective of, and, and try to find that balance of a player that will help me this year or the rest of the season, but also potentially going forward. And, and white is, is one of those that uh, Tyler Boyd is another that I think is, is in that mid to late first round range that uh, especially given the recent injury news with AJ green, he looks like he could really make a difference as well. Dan, I'll bring you in for the, since Ryan gave us a running back and wide receiver, Andy Estridge wanted uh, somebody they could target at each of the positions, quarterback, None of us are really paying a first-rounder for a quarterback at this point. So we'll just give you the tight end position, Dan. Any targets that you might want to spend a late down, late first-round pick on at tight end? Yeah, you you kind of have to stretch a little bit. I don't know if I'm super comfortable giving up a late first for, for many guys. The guys that jump off, though, are the ones that are having nice seasons um, but maybe and, and still have the youth a lot like what Ryan was talking about. The main guy I really thought was, or guys, I guess, were George Kittle and O.J. Howard. Now, you might not get George George Kittle at this point with considering how hot he's been and, and everything that's gone on, especially over the last few games. It seems he's even able to, to play with any quarterback and still put up relatively good numbers. Uh, but there have been a few. There, there's been a few of those types of deals. And like Ryan said, they're guys that, like Kittle especially, he can he can give you production right now and still be a valuable asset going forward. I was looking at the, the trade finder on DLF, and I saw one that included the closest one to that was James Washington and a first for George Kittle. Um, I think you probably have to add something to that first to get George Kittle. I, I don't really mind that. Uh, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, I might have scratched my head at, at that kind of offer going out there. But at this point, he's elevated his game to the point that, that he, he's with that, that group uh, right at the tail end of the, the top tight ends. I also like O.J. Howard. I like how he's progressing. Uh, but outside of that, it's hard to really indicate a, a guy that that is worth that draft pick obviously Kelsey and Ertz and even Gronk, even though he's been down a little bit, they're, they're worth more than that first round pick. I was going to say, I didn't hear you mentioned Gronk and, and I think that's a discussion. I mean, I think you do still have to pay a late first for him, but I bet you in most dynasty owner eyes at this point, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you put out a poll. I, I think the large majority is preferring Kittle to Gronk at this point in terms of at least your poll responses. Yes. I, I, I put out a series of polls, uh, basically trying to nail down uh, George Kittle's value. So I, in, in each one, the question was essentially, which tight end would you want on your dynasty roster? And it was Kittle versus kind of all of the other tight ends in the conversation, Ertz, Kelsey, Gronk, uh, and, and then the other sophomore tight ends, so Howard and Joku and Evan Ingram. Uh, not only did Kittle win most of those, I think just looking at the percentage that the other player got, I believe Gronkowski got the lowest percentage of anybody. So, so lower than Howard, lower than Ingram, etc. cetera. Uh, so uh, obviously his value's down. Dan, you said you would have to add to a first to, to get Gronk. I don't, I don't know that you do. I think you could buy him for a first rounder 
uh, honestly, any first rounder right now in most leagues. One, one more guys. How about Trey Burton? He kind of is like right on the line. I think, would you be paying a late first for Trey Burton right now? I mean, Either one of you? I, I, I don't want to speak for Dan. I know both of us really loved um, Trey Burton coming into the season, but I, I wasn't willing to pay a first for him at that point, and I'm, and I'm not now. Um, I mean, really, if I could somehow get Kittle for a first or, or even add to it, like Dan said, that would be great. Other than that, I'm, I'm probably aiming to spend less capital and, and get a lesser player. Greg Olson... Jack Doyle, Vance McDonald, those are the guys I would be targeting with with second round picks or maybe even uh maybe even a, a collection of third round picks or or end of bench guys. That list is pretty long. The guys you mentioned, Jared Cook is on that list. Kyle Rudolph is still a useful player that can you can put in your lineup. Uh, even Jordan Reed, he stayed health, healthy to this point. He's not going to put up big numbers. In fact, he's he's had a lot of down weeks. But if you just need a guy to fill the spot, you're talking about second and third round picks, which which don't carry that kind of weight of giving up that number one. Yeah, and, and maybe while you're looking at Jordan Reed, maybe you just go send like a third or maybe even a fourth for Vernon Davis since he's outproducing him right now. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, let's move on to maybe the most difficult spot and definitely the most terrible spot for your team to be in. And that's right in that five and four, four and five range where – you're not really sure. You think you, I mean, Dan, you and I are probably at this point still still hanging on to hope that we're going to come in and sneak in that last playoff spot. Ryan, you may be throwing it in at this point. Not so, not too sure. Um, but this is the toughest spot. You really don't want to finish in the middle because then you end up with a middle round draft pick. Uh, uh, and, and you just, you don't, it, it's difficult to kind of pick a direction for your team to go. So, uh, Dan, we'll go back to you first here. What are you doing with these middle of the road teams that uh, are, are so, so difficult for dynasty owners to figure out what they're doing with the rest of the season? Well, a lot of these same rules that we talked about with, with that overachieving team or that six and three or, or even eight and one team still apply here. But since we already talked about those, I think the the one you need to add in, and this may factor in with that really strong team as well, but not quite as much, is looking honestly at the entirety of the league. If if, if your league has a lot a seven and two leading the league and you're five and four, that's big difference between an undefeated that is 150 points above everybody else and then the rest of the group. So, you know, five and four, even four and five. I have one league where there are six teams at one of those two records. And and two of them are in the playoffs right now. In that case, I'm okay pushing your, your decision making as long as you can before the trade deadline. Now, now if it's the trade deadline, you you have to make that decision. And, and a lot of those rules we talked about really apply there. I, I like you, Matt. I tend to be relatively aggressive. There, and I, I really feel, when I looked at the question, I feel like there is a big difference between 5 and 4 and 4 and 5. You, you should know what kind of team you have at this point. Now, maybe you have a couple guys coming off an injury or a guy that was traded that you think maybe could make a splash that wasn't earlier, Amari Cooper. Um, and that that has to factor in as well. I, I think being honest is a is, is the biggest thing you can do and also factoring in the the rest of the league as i said before yeah i think when you have a, a team in this middle range this is where you have to be the most aggressive and 
I, I agree with both of you guys that normally maybe I'm, I'm more willing to kind of wait it out and kind of play out my hand and see how it goes. But either direction, whatever you think. And, and as Dan said, look at the rest of your league, look at your own roster and basically try to project how the rest of the season's going to go for you, but then be aggressive, whether it's selling those producing players that are, are maybe getting you wins and don't have a ton of long-term value or, or if it's going out and buying some of the players that we talked about earlier and, and trying to sneak into the playoffs. But either way, you, you've got to be active in this spot. And I think the biggest thing you said there, Matt, was that the sixth pick is the worst pick to get. That, that really, you're on the fringe of the playoffs. Maybe you lose the final week and you're out. And now you're, you're sitting at the sixth pick in the draft. When, if the following week you have a nice week, all of a sudden you're, you're in the bottom four in the draft. And, and if your league has prizes involved, you're, you're only one more win away from cashing in a little bit. That all needs to factor in. So rules are a part of this thing as well. If you're with a bunch of buddies and there's no money on the line, you know, it's probably all right to sit back and see what happens and, and things like that. If there's money on the line and you think you've underachieved, that is enough for me to think I'm going to take my shot. Yeah, these, these spots right here are specifically why I really like having leagues where you get at least one wild card spot based on total points because I have multiple teams that are at, at four or five or five and four and, you know, they're second or third in points, but maybe sixth to eighth in, in ranking. So uh, it's, it's nice to know that those guys are, are getting in the playoffs regardless of what my actual record says. Just maybe faced a bad schedule, like a bad beat to Ryan McDowell this week. In, in a league against him. Uh, well, let's move on to this last section. This this seems like pretty easy, guys. I think the the, the key for these 0-3 and 3-6 teams is really, uh, you know, what players or that they, they want to target for the future. You know, sometimes it's a little bit harder as you get towards the end of the season to actually trade for draft picks. So something that I like to do is instead of targeting those draft picks is just come back and, and maybe target those, those younger players, maybe the rookies, even second-year players that have underperformed a little bit um, that I know are, are still going to be in the league and, and may have a better opportunity the following season. So, Ryan, we'll go to you first here. Um, let's just say that, you know, you're underachieving – uh, the points make you a playoff team, but you've had a bad had bad luck playing top scores each week. So, uh, what might what might you do in this kind of situation? I I, I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, and unless your league does have that playoff spot for points, as you mentioned, um, but like I said earlier, if if you don't if you think you're out of the playoffs and you have some of those players that are scoring well now and and you don't think they have long term value. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders stands out. Uh, honestly, Gronkowski stands out. Greg Olson. A, a lot of these names we mentioned as players you might want to buy uh, on the other end of things. Those are the guys I would be selling and and aggressively selling. Dan, any any of these maybe younger, underperforming targets that you're thinking about acquiring on, on teams that that might be in a rebuild situation? Yeah, they're you know typical. Typically in the past, I've gone as far as players that have been in the league three years, but it feels like to me that lately that has gotten younger and younger to me. I've, I've been burned by the Laquan Treadwells of the world after year two when he, he really disappointed and then got another chance in year three, and I had him on three or four teams and got him relatively cheap, of course, but it didn't make the impact that I was hoping they would make, uh, and it's happened more 
especially recently. So I tend to keep it to, I kind of have a rule about it. Quarterbacks and tight ends can be older players in their second or third year. But with running backs and wide receivers, uh, especially running backs, I try to target those rookies. You know, the, the, the easy guy to say is Darius Geis, but that guy invested something into into him and wants to see what he does. So that, that's going to be a lot more difficult to pull off. When you when you get to the quarterbacks, especially Sam Darnold is an excellent one for me. Uh, in fact, I've targeted him in the last week or so because he's had such a, such a rocky road here and people are questioning his long-term value. And, and, you know, that was the same thing that happened with Jared Goff. And I'm not saying that Darnold is Goff, but... People really did not like that guy. And then he suddenly became uh, a really useful part to dynasty teams now that are contending. The tight end position is one of my favorites to to try to target. Um, this rookie class had guys like Gasecki and even Hayden Hurst, uh, who's a little bit older, of course. But you can go back even a little farther, guys like Austin Hooper. And, and you know, there was a lot of hype about Ricky Seals-Jones and and Johnu Smith, and those are all really, really cheap guys that I like to get added to deals, especially if you're trading, you know, real veterans, the Emmanuel Sanders of the world, or or guys like the Adrian Peterson. You can get these guys as cheap throw-ins, and if you hit lightning in a bottle with one of those guys that were so cheap, it can really make or break the next run once you get to that point. Yeah, one one thing I've noticed, and several years ago, I I used our Dynasty ADP to basically do a study of uh, how long rookies held their value or how long young players held their value in the league based on ADP. And it, it showed that Dynasty owners overall were pretty patient and that even an underperforming uh, player as a rookie maintained his value at least into year two and sometimes into year three, depending on the position, depending on how high he was drafted in the NFL draft. But I've started to see that trend the other way. And and we've seen it already this year with guys like Ronald Jones and, and Rashad Penny, Rashad Penny. I mean, those were players that people were spending 1.02, 1.03 top, top five rookie picks. And, in a lot of cases, you can get those guys for a second-round pick now. And, I mean, to me, that's just crazy. And and not necessarily those two specific players, but we give up on we give up on these players just way too quickly. So if you were a Penny or a Jones believer and fan coming in, then you should, you should own them on every single roster. Right. I saw a Penny deal straight up for Adrian Peterson the other day. And, and that's a killer deal. I, I shook my head to it. And the guy getting Peterson was obviously one of those six and three teams that should be a four and five or five and four team, but desperately needed a running back to add to his roster to make a run. And, you know, while that sounds horrible, it you can still see the point of view. He had a lot of really good players, uh, some that, that weren't even putting up the biggest numbers, and he thought he had a shot, so he's taking it. While it's ridiculous to some, that owner's thrilled to now have Peterson in his lineup where he can contribute and score 10-plus points every week to replace a guy that he was lucky to get three or four points out of. Except last week. Except last week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he did it right before the game kicked off. <laughs> yeah. I had I had two names I had in mind when I, when I was thinking about you for this question, Dan. The first one was Zay Jones, 
And the mm. second one was Deion Kane. Those seemed like two guys that you could get pretty cheap right now. Maybe you have to spend a third. Maybe in Kane's case, you might only have to spend a fourth. Um, so those were two I thought you might mention. Two that I had in mind. I got them listed, uh, dude. He's prob- They're listed. You here. got them written down? Yeah, I was going to get to them. <laughs> Oh, well, sorry, I stole your thunder. <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to elaborate on that? Or? No, not really. I was actually sending out offers for Kane this week, though. He was, he's one nice. of the favorites. Uh, I think people, most people that have him aren't giving up by the results that I got from those offers. Offering a third for Kane didn't land him anywhere. Uh, it seemed like everybody wanted a kicker, in it, or not a kicker, but something else huh. added to the deal. Maybe a third and a fourth or something like that. Sure. Um, two guys that I had had thought of immediately for this question. Number the first one, you might have to spend a late first, but I think you if you're an end of the end of the league kind of kind of team right now, one of those bottom dwellers, maybe you can get him for an early second. Is Marquez Valdez Scandling? I know he's done a lot, but you know uh, before he actually blows up, then uh, maybe he's a target for you. And then another guy who's been a little been a little bit hurt recently is Kiki Cutie. Um, I know Will Fuller's going to come back next season, but I think he could be had for that early second range right now as well. Let's move on, you guys, to a few. Actually, let's move on to a rookie report card, Dan. I'll just toss it to you. You got Traquan Smith and Ito Smith, two, the Smith brothers, I guess, uh, for this week on the rookie report card. Yeah, I was I was looking forward to writing this one, especially both guys that probably I don't know for sure, but Smith was definitely a friend of the podcast and, and all of us drafting, especially when we were getting him in the third round. And Ito Smith was another that I was a fan of. Ito was kind of an odd prospect for me. I didn't hear about him till late in the offseason, really. And I watched some highlight reels, and we all know what highlight reels do. They show the best of the best in those 25 plays or whatever. And I wasn't awfully impressed with his running style, but... In the offseason, I started to see those the pass-catching ability and all those things, and I started to think, man, that guy has a chance to make a roster and has a chance to potentially be that pass-catching back that, that catches a few passes. But since Devonta Freeman's injury, it he's proven to be just a little bit more than that. Now, now he's not putting up massive numbers, but I think to this point, Ryan, that he's at least established that once Tevin Coleman leaves – in free agency this coming summer that he should be in the running at at the very least again for a regular role with the Falcons which gives some kind of upside to him going forward yeah I think so and and kind of the narrative and and I'm like you Dan he was not necessarily a guy I was uh, I mean I was aware of but not really a, a guy I had paid, paid a lot of attention to, honestly, throughout the the pre-draft process. But once he landed on the Falcons, and it's been the the assumption that Tevin Coleman would be gone after this season for, for so long that basically the storyline became he's going to take over the Tevin Coleman role in 2019. And you probably won't get anything out of him this year, but that's okay. And of course injuries and and other things happen but uh, not only i think has he played well enough to to probably hold that role in 2019 but we've been reminded that the falcons are going to use multiple backs right when freeman went out everybody thought uh coleman is going to be the guy he's going to get 100 percent of the carries there and and of course that's that's not the way it's been it's it's been more of like a 60 40 split and, and ito smith has made an impact and I think I think it's pretty safe to assume, and 
that that's what it's going to be like next year with with Freeman and Ito. So yeah, he's absolutely a guy um, that has gained a lot of value over this uh, the first half of this season. Yeah, and and Matt. Dynasty owners everywhere, at the very, very most, gave up a third-round pick or, or used a third-round pick to get Smith. And I know there were places where I got him in the fourth round and, and was thrilled. But like Ryan said, I wasn't expecting anything uh, in in 2018 and, and have been pleasantly surprised in more than one way. In fact, his running has been stronger than I really thought I, I we would see. And he still, while he hasn't caught a lot of passes, he's still making an impact there do you think he's a he's a guy that dynasty owners especially those that you mentioned that were down in the dumps three and six uh one and eight whatever it may be that that dynasty owners should be targeting yeah yeah definitely in fact uh, that was uh, i was going to mention that but i didn't want to kind of spoiler alert the the rookie report card here um he is someone who and maybe i just missed it on his college tape uh, but I did not see the power that he's running with right. now for a small guy. In fact, he, yeah, he kind of looks, he kind of looks, if you look at him side-eyed, he looks a little bit like, like a Don, Devonta Freeman clone a little bit the way he runs. Um, so I think next year these two are going to be be pretty much interchangeable. I, I'm still a Freeman fan, but I will say I'm a little bit worried. Um so, and, and, and if Freeman, for some reason, misses time again uh, next season, or, or this is a lingering injury, I don't think it will be. But if for some reason it would, I, I think he can step right in and basically do the exact same thing that Freeman does. Whereas Coleman, I think, is, is, is I mean, he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but I think he's more athlete than player at this point. You can see that not everything comes to him easy on the field. Um, so, yeah, I, I love this as a, as a target, and I'd, I'd spend an early third, late second all day if I could somehow get him for that. I, I'm not sure you can at this point. Uh, maybe you have to wait till the offseason once, uh, um, you know, maybe before Coleman leaves or something like that where, where we're not thinking about Ito as much. But, but yeah, I think he's definitely a great target for those teams. Yeah, I think you're right. It's definitely going to take a second-round pick at this point. And some dynasty owners may say, well, you really moved, you spent a fourth on him and now you can get a second for him. You take that deal. I, I, I lean towards your side of it though, Matt, I, I feel like holding on to him and holding on to that fourth round price tag that you gave him. Uh, that'll, that'll be worth it when the, when the time, I comes. mean, if I could get like the, if I could get a for sure early second, I might, I might go ahead and take that. But yeah, anything after that, then just, i will rather hold Smith. Yeah, another Smith that is a lot more valuable today than he was during draft season is Traquan Smith. He had a nice game, at least a nice touchdown catch in Week 9. Another guy that flew under the radar a lot and then was drafted into an ideal landing spot, landing with the Saints, and moved up a lot of Dynasty owners' uh, draft boards. I really have a hard time, Matt, seeing... Traquan Smith being traded in a lot of leagues, most dynasty owners, even contenders where he's your sixth wide receiver are not going to give up on him. Don't you think? Yeah, I'm not giving up on him at all. Well, uh, I mean, I mean, is, are you even taking a second at this point for Traquan no, Smith? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, he's not seeing volume yet, but 
but what he's done with the volume that he has gotten, the targets, the opportunities he have gotten, he's been impressive in every stretch of the imagination. You know, uh, these the, the Saints generally have these players that Devery Henderson, Ted Ginn, currently, you know, these players that can really stretch the field. And I think Traquan obviously can do that, but I think he's better than that too. I think he's shown the ability to, to catch these intermediate routes and whether turning it into uh, you know a long game with the Acker or just getting out of bounds for kind of a possession type, uh, playing like kind of a possession receiver type role. I think he can do all of that. So he's an exciting uh, prospect. I don't know how long Breeze is going to play and and he probably is going to have value after that too, of course, but uh, I'm definitely excited about Traquan. Yeah, and unless you're Ryan McDowell, you have to pay something for Traquan Smith, right, Ryan? (laughs) I think think he, uh, if you could somehow get him for a second, I think that would be a steal. I I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm definitely on the Traquan Smith bandwagon, and I think we all were. But his cost was a third round pick in the off season, yep. and and early enough in the off season, it was even a fourth. So super cheap. I alternated between him and Antonio Callaway in that spot, like in almost every other draft. So I have a fair amount of him. I was excited about Callaway early, but I think Traquan is probably the better prospect at this point. All right, let's uh, let's play a game, you guys. What do you think? Want to play a game? Yes. Yeah. I'm super excited for that. All right. So so um, I wanted to plug another feed. So we of course have the the, the flagship podcast here. It feels weird to say that because all of our podcasts at DLF are great, but we have this separate feed called the DLF Family of Podcasts that we've added a, a bunch of shows to. We have the Dynasty Debates with Nathan Powell and Dan Sanio, Superflex Super Show with Travis Rasmussen and the other guys. Um, uh, the newest edition, of course, is the Trade Addicts podcast with at Dynasty Outhouse and one of our own writers, Brian Har FF. Um, but also, there's a show that I that I host on there, co-host with someone named John Bosch at John Bosch FF called Dynasty Game Night. On this show, we just so, play games. Someone that's named that's John all it Bosch. is. Someone, <laughs> someone named you know, John this, Bosch. This guy, yeah, he's, he's actually more famous than I am, to be honest. No, no one. Uh, he runs. He's a great guy. Obviously, he runs all these. Uh, uh, eliminators for for fantasy cares and has, raises a lot of money for that um and is obviously a great guy in, in other aspects of his life too uh <laughs> but he's my co-host on game night we love playing games so we're going to give you guys a little bit of preview in case you've never listened to this show or any of the other uh dlf family of Co- podcast shows um so this particular game is actually a nathan powell original and he called it top of the food chain i changed the name to apex predator because it sounds cooler the way this game works is you are going to name the top scorer at uh, a, a particular position, which I'm not going to reveal yet, um, going back to week one of 2017. So you'll have to name, say, the wide receiver one. For this particular game, I'll go ahead and tell you it's the quarterback one. Um, and we'll just do this round robin style uh, until you're – we won't even say – we won't even let make you stop because out if you're out because this one's just for fun. But we're going to play Apex Pettit Excuse me. We're going to play Apex Predator with quarterbacks here. So starting with week one of 2017 all the way through current week nine of 2018, you can name any of those quarterbacks that has finished as a quarterback one. That makes sense, guys? Absolutely. All right. We'll yes. start with we'll start with Dan to make it easier on him. Because Ryan actually, I should mention, Ryan was actually in the finals of the Tournament of Champions last season. So he's an experienced Dynasty Game Night player. Dan has also been on just once. we got to get him on there again. But, Dan, start us off with our first quarterback. Go ahead. Any of the top ten, to be clear, right? No, number one overall from any of the oh, weeks okay. from week 2017 to current. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is correct. Ryan, did you have a question? Did you tell us how many there are total? 
I didn't. Do you want to know that? That would be good. There are 16 total. 15 now that Tom Brady's okay to look at a list, or are we doing a... No, you can't look at a list. <laughs> cheater face. Well, I was going to write them down as I went here. You, sh- you, you, sh- you, can, you can write them down. You if can you make guess, a list. Yeah, if, you guessed, if you guessed one that's already been guessed, no big deal. All right, I'll say Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I should tell you, uh, Tom Brady was the quarterback one in weeks two and three of 2017. Patrick Mahomes was only the quarterback one in week seven of 2018, despite his explosive output this season. Dan, back to you. Uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is correct. Weeks 8 and week 11 of 2017. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is correct. Only week 5 of 2018, though. I almost took him last round, and I thought he was hurt hurt most of last year. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I I thought of that as as a slam dunk, but ooh. (laughs) All right. Uh, Carson Wentz. He had a huge 17. Carson Wentz is correct. Week 7 of 2017. Just one appearance also. This is quarterback one overall. Uh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is correct. 2018 weeks 3 and week 9. Alex Smith. Alex Smith is correct. Week 1 and week 13 of 2017. That's so weak. Um, <laughs> no, I. Yeah. Oh wait, I've got the weak one. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course. Week one of twenty eighteen. Um, Matthew Stafford. That is incorrect. Oh. Dan is his first strike. First strike for Dan. How many strikes do we get? Uh, we're just playing for fun. Okay, we'll see who whoever has the most strikes at the end loses. I guess. Well, I. I Pretty much already won. Um, (laughs) Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is correct. Week six of 2018. Then he got benched. Daniel. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, correct. Week six of 2017. The most producing quarterback one overall. There's two of them. They're still out there. Really? Um, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is correct. He's one of them. Deshaun Watson was the quarterback one in week four and week five of 2017 and week eight of 2018. Cam Newton. Cam Newton is correct. Week 10 and week 15 in 2017. There are four left. Four four left. I think I I I got one of them. Ryan's about to take him. Mitch Trubisky. That's correct. Week four of 2018. Three left on the board. Oh, you totally to- took it. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have any more. Man, I have to go. Uh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff is correct. Oh, yes. Week nine and week 16 of 2017. So there's two left. Two left. Have we said Ben yet? Oh. You have not. That's the other. That's the other three time appear on this list. Week twelve and week fourteen of twenty seventeen, and week two of twenty eighteen. One left, Dan. Can you get it? Either way, I lose. Finish this up here. <laughs> Either it's way, true, whether I get it or not, I lose. It's true you do. Um, it's true you do. It, Rivers, then. That's correct. Week seventeen of twenty seventeen. Nice job, guys. You got them all. That doesn't always happen on this game. So that's Apex Predator. Ryan takes down this one. 
Uh, we'll have to have you guys both on game night at some point to, to duke it out. So if you like that game uh, um, and a bunch of other ones that we play, uh, I'm sure you would like uh, as well. So check out Dynasty Game Night on the DLF family of podcast feed along with all of the other shows on that feed. Um, let's plug. see. Yeah, shameless plug. We got a few minutes less here. Let's say we got five minutes. Let's answer a couple more listener questions here. Um, our buddy at Waz NFL, he says, this is maybe a question for Ryan, Mr. Commissioner Impossible himself. How do you handle inactive owners this late into a season? More specifically, inactive owners who are fielding lineups full of inactive and bi-week players. Yeah, that, that's obviously a tough spot. Um, I, I mean, first of all, you have to you have to have that line of communication, uh, reach out to them, let them know. And, and the other thing that you have to have is something already in place in your rules document for how to handle that, whether it's um, some type of fine, they lose, you know, they lose draft picks or, or they're removed from the league. Uh, and, and ultimately that's, that's probably what needs to happen. I do the exact same thing in my league. You should already have the entry fee for this season. Strike one is usually a warning. Strike two is either the removal of draft picks or the removal of the owner from the league. It's usually not pulling teeth to get somebody to fill in when the rest of this season is uh, is already paid for and they have extra time to, to build off of what is already in place. Uh, so I, I have a short fuse when it comes to, to that. Uh, a, one warning is good, and maybe that first warning involves the loss of some type of draft choice, but if it becomes a habit, it's it's obviously time to move on from that owner. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I have penalties sometimes in my league that that remove rookie dollars from from owners that start bi week players. Sometimes uh, there are instances where you just can't get to it. I even had instances of owners that said they have submit lineups, but the app hasn't allowed them to do it. For, also, don't use the app. Uh, so confirm that that lineup got uh, submitted. But there are situations. So, but you do have to have the open line of communication as soon as you see it. Uh, contact that owner and and figure out what's going on because sometimes it's a legitimate. Uh, excuse sometimes it just you just whatever you know sometimes life happens the other thing is I think that is helpful is for owners and in, in your league to also kind of self-police because as, as commissioners that commission multiple leagues can't be looking at every single lineup every single week all of the time so that's helpful as well if you have other co-owners that are in the league helping you out with that so with that we will end the show for this evening everybody have a wonderful week 10 we will see you at the beginning of week 11 good luck election night. Ryan, Dan, thanks for playing these games with me. We'll talk to you guys next week.